0: Now, my advice to people who like this kind of service is...
1: And Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au I really like this new service. Gives you that flexibility to hear your music anywhere. Two Blokes Talking Tech. Stephen and Trevor always providing the best advice. Lots
0: to talk about on Two Blokes Talking Tech. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. And thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Uh, if you're a fitness fanatic, buckle up your shoes. Put the GPS watch on. 30 minutes of exercise. With two blokes talking tech. Oh, I figure that's how some people listen. Stephen Fennick, good afternoon, good evening, how good morning.
1: Yes, uh, I'm sure that is. Uh, either walking, running, driving. So, uh, you know, make sure you pay attention to the road if you're listening to us while you're driving. Mm. Don't and, be too distracted. and if
0: you're running, I'll talk slowly so that you can slow <laughs> the pace down because if you're anything like me, you don't want to go too fast. If we talk really fast, you'll have to run faster. Is that yeah, how it works? <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au. We'll tell you about them later. This is episode 169. Let's get cracking. The Pirates are out and I'm not talking about Jake and the Neverland Pirates which I get to watch regularly on Disney Junior. I'm talking about the uh, people who love to illegally download content on the internet. Now, uh we've talked about this a lot before, um and I think we both have dabbled in that space. Not really I'm not really a huge downloader. Don't really have time to do anything other than watch kid shows. Um mm-hmm. but the government's got into this uh in a in a big way this this last few weeks. There's now discussion paper out. Uh the government's looking at doing things like cracking down on it, but and, and you know, having a, like a three strikes. There's a whole range of things they're discussing. But the question is, Stephen, is the government doing enough to look after us? Or are they doing enough to look after business? Are Australians getting a raw deal when it comes to content? So many questions, and I'm really not sure. I'm, I'm really not sure who has the answer yet, if anyone.
1: Well, I think uh, the government is not doing enough for us. the 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 discussion was brought up again this week because there was a, a leaked discussion paper uh, that was uncovered, and that discussed measures uh, of punishing online piracy and you know including doing things like blocking sites throttling back your internet speeds and and sometimes even stopping your connection altogether um i think that piracy uh and i've written a column on tech guide about this piracy is about opportunity piracy occurs when people don't have a fair and legal way to download the content they want now right. game of thrones is a great example where it is a very popular show now People aren't going to pirate – they're not going to download something illegally if they hate the content. They obviously – they're doing that because they love it so much. They want access to it. Now, if we are given a fair price – and that's a whole other discussion. We're getting gouged on pricing for movies and TV shows. If we're given a fair price and fair access, what's to stop us accessing the same content that the U.S. does at the same time, paying a few bucks – because I'm telling you now, if that occurs, piracy will not not dry up, but it will, it will be significantly reduced. And I don't think the government's doing enough. Rather than wielding a bigger baton to to punish pirates, they should be talking to the content providers, saying, "Listen, give us a fairer go, and this piracy thing will will disappear."
0: I'm not in disagreement with you. I think there's some. My issues are, are many, but. I found it interesting that Foxtel actually came out and applauded the government. I thought that was a of really silly so. move because <laughs> I thought they were going to cop some grief, and, and they probably have. I haven't looked. But their, their statement was, we welcome the government's discussion paper. They're pleased with the government's recognition of the importance of the creative industries. Um, They, they go to great lengths to do Express from the US. It believes the, the responsibility for combating illegal downloading doesn't stop with government. It should be um res- shouldered by everyone. Yada, yada, yada. The, the problem I've got is that i think we forget that australia is a 20 million people market that needs to be monetized in in the broader sense and a person that makes a piece of content like game of thrones um you know costs millions and millions of dollars and they can monetize that in the in america and other huge nations very easily because it doesn't take much scale to monetize in a country like australia though if you had a hundred thousand people go direct to the to the distributor in the US, they might make some money, but they make more money as a content maker selling the rights to an organisation like a, a TV network or a Foxtel, and that's the money that pays for the bloody content yeah, to be made in the first place. I,
1: I agree with you, and like yeah, Foxtel, of course, they wanted they want to exploit the fact that they're the only people who show a show, you know, show a Game of Thrones. Yeah, a, but do you remember what happened a couple of years ago when? iTunes uh, made each episode available the day after Foxtel first uh, first aired the program, so they had first crack at it. Yeah, and then the day after, everyone who could who wanted to download the episode could do that. Hmm. Foxtel actually uh, blocked that, and those people who were relying on the iTunes service, it was like you know two fifty, two ninety five an episode or whatever it was, were denied that uh, that opportunity. And so, what do they do? They didn't suddenly buy $135 a month subscriptions to Foxtel. They stole it. They went to to Pirate Bay and the torrent sites hmm. and thought, well, if I can't get it that way, I'm still desperate to see it. I'm going to do that. And you know what, so Foxtel... Still- in that. Mate,
0: you know what, Foxtel's sitting there going... They're probably going in the end, we don 't care like twenty, thirty, forty thousand people do that it doesn 't have an effect on their business because the broader rights what they did was not block but they made a decision to to not make it available digitally like that they out they bought those rights out, so they probably paid more for the for the broadcast rights by and f- for the sake of including the the block of that, as you call it, yeah. but that, that pays for them because it means they they get their return just because people downloaded illegally. Doesn't mean those same people would have made it more successful financially for either the local or the international distributor. So that, that's my problem. I'll give you a good example of of, of how it, it could and should change and why Australia is a difficult market. I love comedy. I don't know why, but I just love every now and then just watching stand up. And it's a hard thing to get good 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 quality stand up. You buy a Carl Barron or a Will um, Anderson DVD, you're paying twenty or thirty bucks. Uh, louis c k in the u k in in the u s great comedian yep. he 's got a website you go there five bucks five bucks you buy the piece of content it 's available as an m p four to download it couldn 't be simpler. you can either stream it or download it. you can download it three times. And you you have it, you own it, you can do what you want with it, five bucks.
1: That's a great model, though.
0: But it is. But in America, right, Louis C.K. can sell to a market of 300 million people and he just has to have 20000 and he's making big bucks on $5. An Aussie comedian, though, can't do that here. An Aussie comedian has to to rely on the broadcast rights, has to rely on a broadcast deal to to give them a big hip pocket and
1: get through. So we need
0: the broadcast industry
1: understand that but you you think of it, you you actually hit on a really good point the way the louis ck model let's call it okay is treating everyone in, in, in as one big digital nation yeah, yeah d- digital doesn't know boundaries d- doesn't know countries doesn't know time zones the the fact that we're australians are 23 million people Shouldn't matter to HBO. We're part of a world economy, a worldwide audience that's just, that, that are desperate to watch the program they're producing. But when you so carve, when you, when you look at a production budget, so let's say Louis C.K. costs him
0: 50 grand to make something and he wants to make 150 to cover his costs and make 100 grand. He goes, well, divide by $5. I just need that's America done. He does it. And then the rest of the world is just an advantage. Whereas when you're spending hundreds of millions of dollars making Game of Thrones, you get a huge chunk of that through US sales, direct, digital, and, and broadcast. And then you slice up the rest of the world to to find the full revenue to pay for the bloody thing because it's
1: expensive. Now, I, I understand it. I don't think it costs hundreds of millions to produce uh, oh, Game I of Thrones. I think it might. It would cost tens of millions of dollars to produce Game of Thrones. But. I'll go back to the point I made earlier. the the fact that we're treated like the, the 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 second cousin out here, like we're we're treated with we've got to pay double what the US pays. We've got to we've got to pay through the nose, not just for Game of Thrones and for other content. It's it's not, and they're wondering why people are pirating their programs. Like, hello, what, what, give us a fair deal, give us a good good access, and allow us to enjoy the content, your content. Hmm. They're not stealing it because they hate you. They're stealing it because they love it. I'll tell you when this will change. It's very simple.
0: This will change when the when the market is there. As much as the geeks of the world and the many early adopters who are torrenting, Netflixing, and I don't believe for a second there's 200,000 people Netflixing in Australia – for a second there's plenty of people that will write about it and speculate but no one knows for sure how many people are doing it how many pe- frankly no one knows how many people are torrenting they make assumptions based yeah. on traffic and things right when it becomes um actually possible to make money off those people looking for direct so for example mate foxtel when they know they can sell a hundred thousand daily episode like per episode hundred thousand of game of thrones via itunes mate they'll buy those rides and they'll sell it that way because they make money that way but at the moment there ain't the market for it there's just not the market
1: i think that Rather than complaining, like, like put it this way: the 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 content, the in the 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 Game of Thrones case is the classic case, right? The, the, in the case where they can't pay a couple of bucks for it per episode, and they steal it, what do the content makers make? No money. If they steal it, no. They but make they separate no no.
0: so The content makers have made their money because Foxtel have paid them enough to to cover the region for the production costs, and so Foxtel's the one that's potentially losing out. And Foxtel's looked at it and gone, we don't care.
1: Well. They should care. And I'll go back to the other point I made. The government, rather than them jumping up and down and thinking, Yeah, we're gonna be the we're gonna be the enforcers around here and protect foreign content producers. So US based content creators, they're gonna on their behalf punish Australians who want their content legally and ha and, and don't have access to it and are stealing it instead. What
0: what Obviously- we agree on, what we agree on is The government should be should be following up and you wrote this in your blog, you should be following up on the price inquiry, which had a you know, come to Jesus with a few big companies. What's happened? Okay. Now now if 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 a if a piece of content is available direct to consumer for five dollars in America, it shouldn't be possible to charge ten in Australia. Yes six, seven even, for, for local costs, costs money to market in Australia, okay? It's a higher per customer cost to market in Australia than it is in America because of it's scale. Not
1: double. It's not double the price they made.
0: Correct, it's, and that's what I'm saying. So uh, so we need to be protected from that gouging. That's yep. what we
1: need well, to be protected from. But on. I, I think that, uh, that that's part of the solution. If, if that happens, give people reasonable, fair and reasonable access, then I think you're going to see piracy dwindle.
0: I think... We're just a couple of years away from it. I think it's two or three years before there's enough devices that are simple because that's the other thing. It's bloody hard to do to actually get this content, even when it's made available
1: illegally. Talk. Netflix are going to be launching no, here next,
0: in let, Listen, Netflix won't launch. When they do launch here in Australia, they'll have a reasonable impact, but they won't do any better than anyone else because Netflix doesn't have that much that we don't already have. It's just that people aren't willing to pay currently for a blanket service like Presto or Quickflix, yeah. right? Channel 9's launching a thing in a few months. There's plenty of services. Netflix itself is like a has become a brand name for streaming content, like a, a verb, you know, like Google. Yeah. Googling or binge something.
1: Binge watching. Yeah. If you can, you want to watch a lot of content at once. A lot of series are now being released all at once. Yeah. Uh, rather than episode at a time, week at a time, they just go bang and release the whole season. Like uh, House of Cards. I think Orange is a New Black is another popular show yeah. that's just been released all at once. We're at episode 169. I reckon when we're at between
0: 269 and 300, <laughs> we'll be talking about how Australian consumers have now got the choice they've always wanted. Because, mate, we can we can march in the streets all we like. It ain't going to change until there's enough demand. And that's, to me, two or three years away.
1: I hope we last that long, Trevor.
0: Oh, we will. <laughs> Come on. I've got a long-term contract. Haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> two Blokes Talking Tech. Uh, I'm Trevor Long. Stephen Fenwick with me each and every week. From techguide.com.au today, you read his blog about the uh, piracy debate at techguide.com.au.
1: Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're
0: listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech.
1: Well, we found, uh, Kogan in the headlines once again this week. He's, uh, quite a, his service, his company, I guess, is quite a disruptor of, uh, of the market. And once again. He's uh, done just that with a brand new Android smartphone, and not just any old smartphone—the Agora 4G smartphone. Mm-hmm. And the most attractive thing about this, once again, is the low, low price. So we're talking two hundred and twenty-nine dollars for. And I've already got it by the way. Talk ways. about price gouging!
0: Fair income. The first Agora was one forty-nine. The next one was one ninety-nine. What's he up
1: to? Well, I've got say, this is, uh, I've looked at all of them. This is, uh, they've got, they're in partnership with Ben Q, by the way, who were, uh, were once owned by Siemens or the other way around, which was a a massive mobile company. Uh, and this is, I've got to say, a, a quality device for the money. Uh, build quality is pretty solid. Uh, nice five inch screen, uh, not, not as high resolution as some other devices on the market. Camera I haven't tested yet, but it is an eight, an eight megapixel camera. Uh, and a 1.3 at the front. It's running a quad-core processor, Android uh, 4, 4.4, which is KitKat, and it's it, uh, a fairly paired-back version of Android, so it reminds me of the uh, the Nexus, the Nexus 5, actually, the whole… Almost look- vanilla. yeah. So it's, uh, it is, it's for, for those people who don't, don't like a lot of Android layering. You know, there's all the user interfaces, the various companies, Samsung and HTC and LG. If they want a paired back pure Google experience, then the Agora is, uh, right sort of down the same alley as the Nexus 5. So I think this is going to uh, have a lot of interest when it's released in a couple of weeks. Uh, especially for those people who, uh, you know, we we know that the the market for people who b- like to buy devices outright is growing uh, for you know younger people on a budget maybe, and maybe uh, older people who are coming to smartphones for the first time. They don't want to uh, overspend. Well, this is uh, more than six hundred dollars cheaper than the more popular devices on the market. And just quickly, I think the one thing to take out of this is the
0: BenQ partnership. I find that very interesting. It's a very non-Kogan thing to do, and I think perhaps—and I'm just pure speculation—I think perhaps he was happy with how the last Agoras went, but I think he probably got feedback from from people that build quality wasn't brilliant. Perhaps there was reliability issues. We don't know what the return rate was, and perhaps he was looking for a slightly better uh, manufacturer, and uh, maybe that's what he's got here with the BenQ partnership. Well,
1: but- I, I, like I said, I've had it. I've only just had it a day, but it, it does seem to me there's a little bit more build quality. There's a bit more polish to the device. It, it is. It is. I think, uh, and I've seen all the other devices had. Uh, this does definitely uh, has a step up in quality, and and really feels good in your hand. I think it's uh, it's great value device and i think people have to be realistic with their expectations for this and so far it's really exceeded my expectations i have to say uh, i haven't tested the camera out yet but in terms of the processor speed and the quality of the experience it, it's not far behind the galaxy s5 and the lgs and all these other devices that cost three times as much four times as much as this
0: i think if you're looking to get a phone outright and uh save some money on the long-term plan the kogan agora is one to look for um check it out at kogan.com.au and steven's review will be up soon at techguide.com.au And we talk, talk every week about the good people at Netgear, netgear netgear.com.au. And I got to be honest, um, the Netgear Nighthawk X6 is stunning, but I still think the Netgear Nighthawk is a, is a cracking great piece of value. I was actually talking to someone today who was talking about their router being seven years old. They went and bought a new one. I said, what'd you get? And they said, this one looks really cool with three antennas. And I said, that's a, that's a Nighthawk. This is a router that has built-in gaming, streaming, and mobile devices in mind because it's a next-generation gigabit router, one gigahertz dual-core processor inside, the fastest Wi-Fi currently available, less lag, less buffering, no matter where you Wi-Fi. The Nighthawk has you covered because it's got beamforming, which basically directs the signal to your device. Uh, Get ready for the extreme with the Netgear Nighthawk. Buy it now uh, at all good retailers and check it out at netgear.com.au. Talking tech. With Trevor Long and now, I've been a bit conflicted by this one, mate. Uh, Intel Security, otherwise known as McAfee, um, put out some research this week. Uh, you know, a 1,000 kids between the age of 8 and 17 were, um, were surveyed. Um, some interesting stuff in here. The worrying stuff first, though. Um, you know, talk about cyberbullying. For Up from 56% last year, 81% of teens and tweens, as they call them, have witnessed cyberbullying of others thirty nine percent have been cyberbullied themselves, fifteen percent amazingly admitted to bullying people online and I think that's that's a bit of a worry to see
1: those numbers on on such a rise stephen absolutely yeah, I think uh you know back back in the old days, bullying was something that only occurred between nine and three you yeah. if you're at school you're getting bullied, it was bad enough then. Now, with with this cyberbullying, it's something that can happen twenty four seven. Unfortunately, and it's uh, look, it it is it is uh, it is a real problem. And I think people need to take some responsibility here. I think we can all be better internet citizens, especially kids at that age where you know if they are seeing someone bullied, they should step in and do something about it. Help those people. You know, if it was them, they'd appreciate that themselves. Now, Now, easier said than done. It is, but look, we need to start somewhere.
0: Now, parental guidance, parental controls are one thing. I think we've talked about this before. Parental discussions are are a better way of of understanding and controlling your kids' online uh, behaviour. 70% of of uh, kids said their parents know some, but not all, of what they're doing online. 49% reckon their parents can't keep up with technology. Um, And 52% say they know how to hide what they do online. I mean, they're even creating fake accounts. They're clearing the browser. They're doing all that. So try as you may. And you should try to to protect your kids with parental controls wherever possible, but don't do it without talking to them. Don't do it without having a conversation, because if you just put it in place, they'll just bypass it all.
1: Absolutely right. I think your kids and my kids are probably the unluckiest kids around because we're pretty tech savvy. We know <laughs> we know our way around. Uh, we can see what they've been up to. So, uh, 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 but though the majority of parents, though, who uh, you know they they're not really taking as much interest to learn as much to monitor what their kids are doing they're kind of saying well you know in the past the kids are sort of the ones who okay they set up the router they know how to do all that stuff it's just sort of second nature to them but I think that parents are kind of failing their kids if they just choose to be ignorant on on these in these areas because you don't know what's going on under your nose and we saw that uh, a lot of the kids in fact 70 percent between 8 and 17 said their parents didn't know their internet activities and we're talking we're not just talking computers here we're talking what they do on their smartphones on their mm-hmm. tablets so these devices that they can use anywhere in the house uh i think yeah that yeah. they are good at hiding what they're doing deleting their browser history all those sorts of things but i think you know, the parents really need it they owe it to their kids to have an open discussion about what what's appropriate to look at what isn't and to be open about it so that they can uh you know know the right thing to do and, and and know a little bit more about what the kids are looking at
0: and i'll give you an example it's kind of off tangent but it's it's a very live one for me minecraft is is a huge uh, unbelievably huge game which my son, who, who was six at the time when he started playing, seven now, has been playing for some time uh, just in a local environment, on the computer, building the most amazing things. But he starts talking about multiplayer, and I'm like, whoa, buddy, whoa, because <laughs> I don't want my kid connecting to random people around the world because you can chat there and who knows what's going to happen. Yep. What I did was said, buddy, just keep playing the way you are. And then I took the time on the weekend to work out how this multiplayer thing worked. I got it set up. I got it working. I played the game myself. And now... He and I can play this game together as a multiplayer. And then I've said, so now I've got a server that your friends can use as well. Because it's okay for you and your friends to do it, but not random people out on the internet. And I think over the next couple of years, that's the evolution. It's an evolution of, you know what, okay, now you want to just find, you want to join a game. That's fine. But now we talk about the conversations and stuff that happen. If you just jump in and your kid's already doing it and you say you've got to stop that's where you're going to hit trouble. So parenting is tough, mate, and you're a lot lot further down
1: the uh, the path yes, than Pete, I am. I am. I've got teenage children, and you got all that ahead of you, Trevor, that, mm. uh, you know, the boys are we boys and, you know, things, things that they, they're curious about looking at certain things. Stephen, so, like- oh, your buddy. parents yeah. did not know everything you did. And Absolutely And my mum didn't know everything I did. I think back in the day, you know, like we were – Rather than sort of it was the case of you know hiding the playboy under the mattress for some kids or you know getting into dad's collection yeah. but uh nowadays the you don't need that material is uh, is so easy now and and, and look. As I said, a parents got to really take responsibility for supervising what their children do just like they do in the real world. They've got to take responsibility for them, what they get up to in the virtual world and teach them the, the right things to do and, and to to be uh to do the right thing by them. So I think it's sort of a matter of trust between the parent and the child and uh you know just making sure though the parents have got to be vigilant and not not say look it's just too hard. They've got to make an effort to keep up with what's going on so they know what their kids are doing because like I said that you don't know what they're going to be doing hmm. right under your nose. That's it. You can read those st- that's uh, from Intel Security, McAfee, at uh, techguide.com.au. Well, Apple uh, did a, a first. It was a first for Apple uh, late last week, and that is allowing customers to access an operating system before it is officially released. Now, we've seen this with Microsoft. I've done it several times with previous Windows versions. But Apple, for the first time, have decided to have a, a Yosemite beta program. Now, this is the new software, OS 10 Yosemite for the Mac, so for the iMac or the MacBook Pro. So... Uh, it's, it's, it's a great opportunity for those users who can't wait until probably October when it's released officially to dive in now and experience the operating system. It's not complete. You still can't use some of the highlighted features that were spoken about at the Worldwide Developers Conference when it was first announced. But you can... Uh, install it on your computer, log any bugs and uh, report them back to Apple, but also enjoy the majority of features as well as the whole new look and feel of the system. Yeah, I've been using the
0: developer version for a little while. It is quite a different look. Um, it's not radically different, so you won't notice immediately everything. The two key things for me are spotlight, where the little, um, you know, magnifying glass in the top right hand corner is magnificent now. It comes up in the middle of your screen with great searchability. It's probably my most recommended thing about the Mac operating system is is searchability of content, um, and, and probably the the Aero look, which which is a Windows thing, but that that transparent look that they introduced to iOS 7 um, of some of the apps. Although I don't think it has a huge effect on on the the way I use the system. Um, and there's some other minor little tweaks, like some of the the apps that go full screen. It's uh, it's now the green plus button is replaced by a full screen instead of plus. Little tiny things, tweaks here and there. I think the big deal is going to be when it's um, when it's released fully, as well as iOS 8, because that's when the iPhone and Mac stuff starts to happen, like AirDrop, um, calls, all that kind of stuff happens with your Mac into your iPhone.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting when, uh, when finally, when iOS eight uh, is available as well, because as you said, the, the, a lot of the features aren't like those features, like handoff and being able to answer your your iPhone on your Mac, uh, aren't available until you've got both iOS and Yosemite happening at the same time. Yeah. So I think that they're, they're the kind of the, the, headline features for me that I'm desperate to try out. But in the meantime, though, I, I'm, I'm enjoying the whole new look and feel. It, it is very iOS 7. It is, has more of an iOS feel to it. And, you know, from the, the fonts they've used now, sort of the, the smaller lettering. I think there's some people who may not like the smaller font size that they're using now on, on, the, uh, on the interface. Mm. Uh, but it does have a real iOS 7 feel, that sort of flatter feel. Uh, and uh but but it i'm I'm enjoying though the whole the whole design is is quite good the whole all the translucent windows so you can sort of stack your windows and still see what's going on uh, beneath them, so you kind of have a, a better sense of what's on your desktop uh so I think uh, there'll be a few people I think people already have signed up to the beta program it also puts in a, a program. Called feedback assistant in your doc, so that if there's any feedback you can offer, it heads straight into Apple, and uh, they can improve it uh, with your feedback. So good on Apple for have, trying this as a as a first. Uh, hopefully, it won't be the last time they do this, but uh, good to see they're getting getting letting us get our hands on this before it's officially released. Yep, and if you uh, if you haven't signed up, you probably still
0: can sign up. You might uh, you might join the queue immediately. You might get an email further down the track, but the beta is open, uh, and as you say, a groundbreaking thing for Apple. Um, but, you know, really, it's just about getting bugs, uh, getting more bugs in faster so they can make the make the thing much more reliable. Um, check it out. Uh, Stephen's uh, going to have some info up at techguide.com.au. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening
1: to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick.
0: Now, the other thing quickly before we do your minute reviews. Um, You had this week on your website a little bit of a Mythbusters style story. I remember watching Mythbusters and they were doing, uh, you know, trying to work out how much bacteria was really in the toilet. Like, you know, do your toothbrushes get dirty from going to the toilet and stuff? You're talking about the mobile screen being filthier.
1: Absolutely, yeah. There's research from London University that says that your mobile screen can be up to 10 times dirtier than a toilet seat. How many times do you bring a toilet seat to your face and make a phone call, Trevor? Not often, I'm sure. But you, this is something uh, tech tech hygiene, you know, tech screen hygiene is something that we really need to look at here. Several cleaning products available that can help you keep your screen clean because when you think about it, we're touching them with our hands, we're bringing it into our face. There, there's uh, There's doctors, I think there's a doctor, I've quoted in my story that says you got just as much of a chance of getting sick from your phone as you would from touching a handle in a bathroom. So, uh, best to keep that clean. Mashable, uh, last year did a really good video investigation and found that per square inch, there's more bacteria on your mobile phone screen than there is on your pet's food dish. So I went out there and licked Ziggy's bowl and licked my, my <laughs> own screen. I'd get more bacteria off my iPhone screen than I would off Ziggy's bowl and Logan's bowl, for that matter. So, something to keep in mind if you haven't invested in a screen cleaning solution to not only take all the fingerprints and smudges off your device, but it's also going to make it a little bit more hygienic. So, get rid of all those nasty bacteria and uh, keep it clean, people. It's best in uh, good good idea to invest in some cleaning solutions.
0: Uh, you can read about that at techguide.com.au. But Stephen, stop licking your phone. <laughs> You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fenny. Now, your minute reviews involve a couple of fun ones, uh, including getting out on the uh, the golf course, mate.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I'm a, a bit of a golf tragic, Trevor, and I need all the help I can get. So uh, the la- this latest device, the Golf Buddy PT4, this is a GPS device. Now, it's not a watch. It's not an app. This is a dedicated GPS device with a four-inch screen. It's a serious product, this one. So rather than you having to waste your, your phone's battery with an app, or using a smaller screen on your watch, the PT four offers a full screen, uh, a full screen view of the hole. It allows you to touch various parts of the hole. There's more than thirty seven thousand preloaded into the memory, so no matter where you go in the world, this will be able to find you and uh, give you a hole by hole information. So you get accurate meter meter measurements to front, middle, back of the green, any hazards. It can also keep score, keep track of all your stats if you're one of those players who wants to track their information to help themselves improve. Uh, the Golf Buddy PT4, uh, it, it is an excellent device. If you're a serious golfer, uh, it's got dynamic green view, so you can actually measure the distance no matter what uh, what direction you're approaching the screen. If you've got a blind shot, it still tells you how far and what direction the hole is as well. You can even move the, the the hole to suit that day's pin placement, so it can keep it as accurate as that. The battery will last you up to 10 hours, so that's a full weekend of golfing. The Golf Buddy PT4, priced at four hundred ninety nine ninety five. Check it out at techguide.com.au. Two blocks.
0: You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen
1: Fennick, And this one's good for people with their original Apple earphones. That's right, yeah. The uh, Apple EarPods, which have been around for all oh, nearly three years now, uh, they're, they're excellent speaker, excellent earphones that come free with your iPhone, latest iPods, uh, but there are some complaints though. Some people, doesn't quite fit as snugly in your ear as they like, and especially the people that are listening to this podcast, and uh, maybe running or walking or in the gym, uh, they may be complaining that the EarPods fall out. Well, what do we do? A Canadian company's come up with a really cool idea called the Spring Clip. And that's Spring without an I, everyone. If you're reading my story on Tech Guide, that's not a typo. Spring <laughs> is spelled without an I. Spring Clip. What you do, you pop them around the, uh, the stem of your earpods. And then the plastic then goes up and creates a little a little clip that fits into your ear and makes a more secure fit for your ear pods. So they won't be falling out. They're only ten dollars a pair. You can order them through the website. I think shipping's about three or four bucks. And there is a pack of four packs, so you get one of each color. There's four different colors, gray, blue, green, and pink, and that's for thirty US as well. If your ear pods falling out is something that frustrates you this is a product to look at. The spring clip and the eye is not meant to be there. That's not a typo. Check it out. They are actually quite cool. Um,
0: uh, They look very handy for those people with the earpods. Check it out at techguide.com.au. And that's it. That's a wrap. Uh, We'd love your feedback on anything we've discussed, particularly the piracy, uh, shall we call it, a debate. Uh, You can uh, tweet us at Trevor Long and at Stephen Fennick with a PH. Get in touch any time. Don't forget the hashtag ZiggyZaggy. None of that Logan. Yes, so I
1: little. had a couple of them. Actually, thanks to everyone who has <laughs> spawned on Twitter, and and those people that are still sharing their meal for a meal. We we we've we promised we're going to retweet everyone that we see. Uh, and yes, uh, we love we love you getting in touch on Twitter. And uh, thank you for the ZiggyZaggy hashtags. I've had a couple of people uh, request some photos and ask about my Dalmatian. So keep that up. We're loving it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for Natalie. We'll be back next week with episode one hundred and seventy. Talking Tech with Trevor Long.